Andreas. Andreas. Mario and I are sitting at home in our office room where, as we say, all the magic happens. Since 2005 we have been living together in a small rental apartment in Elmhurst, a neighborhood of Queens in New York City. He had already been here three years when I came and one of the first things we bought after I moved in with him was a desk for myself. We had to put Mario's tall metal file cabinet in the closet to make space so my new desk could fit. I sit at one corner of the office, he at the other. So when we work, we are back to back. The room is full of posters of our theater productions, pictures of ourselves and family and friends we love and a lot of decorations. There are paintings, masks and other artwork, figurines and little toys, calendars and awards. Mario's desk is always very neat and well organized. Mine has more entropic tendencies. Besides the two large desks, there is a single bed, a bookshelf filled with books, my two-drawer file cabinet and my personal sound studio. Just being in this room might give somebody who doesn't know us a lot of ideas about who we are, separately and together. With that in mind, I asked Mario to share his feelings about how we have influenced one another and changed in our relationship. This episode will be the first in a series where we will talk about our journey as a couple. Is the difference from our cultural backgrounds and the ways that we were raised that make us see relationships differently in general? Not how we are personally, because I think that you actually are someone who tends to fuse very much with people mm -hmm. as an individual. Mm -hmm. And I do too. And in some respects, I have been also very, very independent and independent-minded. Yeah, and, and in some ways that has been a little more difficult for you, really? I think. Yeah, like, uh, you know, pursuing certain your aims or... Oh, well, you moved away from your family to New York to become an actor totally alone. That's very independent. Yes, and also for me it was very important to set boundaries with my family for a very long time because of the rejection I faced mm, because yes. I was gay and I didn't want to depend on them. You know, but culturally, I think that there are these patterns or like in Mexico, we're more family oriented, we're more community oriented. It's all about bonding. It's all about being together. It's all about we are one. And in Germany, it's the very opposite of that. Yeah, we don't like to be one. We want to be individuals. We want to be acknowledged. We want to be independent. We don't want to be bothered too much. Yeah, that's true. It's also very hermetic that way. We don't create this kind of rich family life with a lot of relatives around the table. Because you have more wealth too. I think that's also a sign of wealth in a country because part of the reason we rely so much on each other is because we need each other to survive. And in your country, 
You know, if everyone is middle class, the majority of people are middle class or well off, which is the case, then you don't need the others to survive and you can just dismiss them. Somos iguales, dice la gente Que tu vida y mi vida se van a perder Mario and I come from very different cultural backgrounds, myself being German and he Mexican. I grew up in a little town where everybody was white. My father worked as an archivist for the German Artisan Guild and my mother was a nurse. We were not rich, but had financial stability. Because my father was a World War II veteran, he had access to government programs, so they were able to buy a small house in the town where my mother grew up. It was very safe. Everyone knew each other. We were surrounded by forests and big lakes. I could walk alone in the forest for hours without fear. Meanwhile, Mario grew up in Mexico City, one of the world's biggest metropolises. A melting pot where many cultures and people of all colors come together. The city is risky, unpredictable and fast-paced. He had to learn to be alert all the time and resourceful early on. His father was an architect, painter and sculptor and his mother an accountant, businesswoman and counsellor. Although they had stability, they faced countless financial problems and when they immigrated to the US, his family became poor. When we come together, again, it's very much to help each other survive. It's very much to help each other solve very personal problems, very specific problems, a lot about money. Mm -hmm. This is how we survive. We need each other to survive. Emotionally, physically, mm -hmm. mentally, financially, in every respect. Mm -hmm. And you do this with a lot of joy in community, in food, in activities you do together. When I was in Mexico, I, I saw that there's a lot of joy. Yeah, a lot of joy, togetherness, laughter, uh, uh, all of that, but also a lot of stress. Yeah. <laughs> and in, in Germany, I, I, yeah, there's joy, there's laughter, but not in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, people are more serious or more private, they're more restricted in their expression. Uh, that's Germany. Yeah, that's very German. That's Germany, and that's really, really difficult to deal yes. with, even yes. for Germans. Yeah, very specific emotions are okay, others are not. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about this. You don't talk about that. Yeah, it's all, con it's all considered too private. Yeah, it's very mental. Very mental. Very mm -hmm. cerebral. Yes. It's a, that's part of the cultural difference that Germans approach things cerebrally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they have about two emotions that they are open to express. One is anger. <laughs> for sure. And maybe the other one is... Pessimism? <laughs> Wait, that's not an emotion. I think they consider it sadness. As soon as Mario and I came together, I started to become aware of my cultural identity on a different level.
I began to see the advantages my skin color and nationality gave me. Of course, that had to do with the fact that Mario and many of my new friends identify themselves as BIPOC, meaning black, indigenous and people of color. This included actors and playwrights I came to work with, activists and academics I interviewed, and many of Mario's friends who became my friends. Living in a society that questions their value all the time, they were used to examine their cultural identity, both in general and in specific contexts. Here in the US I learned that being a white German meant having privileged access. And being European makes me special in the eyes of many white Americans. I also learned skin color has little to do with how people identify culturally and one can easily make false assumptions about someone's background because of it. In Germany, it's assumed there's only one dominant culture in skin color, white, and the rest are erased. Mario often feels ignored and looked down upon when we are there. I remember when, when we were in Cologne and the people were celebrating uh, some soccer, World Cup or whatever, and they were celebrating it in such an aggressive way, with screaming and throwing bottles to the floor and making a mess out of everything. And for me it was, yeah, yeah, they're happy. And you were shocked. Yeah, because I was afraid because it was so aggressive. And yeah, so aggressive. It seemed actually violent to me. Yeah. We in Mexico and Latin American cultures, and many other cultures, of course, are very emotional. But we express a whole range of emotions. Yeah. And many of us are also thinkers, of course, but they're not necessarily cerebral cultures in that kind of detached way of, you know, looking at a situation or as at someone as if they're an object of, of study. What do you mean? Yeah, like you're, you're an object, you're looking at an object at a distance, you know, you're examining, you're studying it, reacting to it, and you can be completely detached emotionally. That's what you experienced. In yeah, it's objectifying. Yeah. It's like the positivist scientific mindset, you know, which I think is what has made Europeans uh, be people that have absolutely no problems going to other countries and colonizing them in the most brutal ways because they look at the people as subjects of objects. studies. Yeah, uh, subjects of studies. Yeah. yeah, right. Objects in general and a subject to study. Mm -hmm. Whereas we we're connecting, we're bonding, we're we're relating to each other. We are relational. We are relational culture. We're not an objectifying culture. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I'm a very uh, relational person, and you are a thinker. No hace falta que salga la luna a venirte a cantar mi canción. Ni hace falta que el cielo esté lindo Pa' venir a entregarte mi amor Just this past month, Mario and I bought DNA ancestry packages to find out more about our gene pools. Que te quiero con toda 
when the results came back, mine showed 100% Northwestern European traits, mostly German, Dutch and French-speaking Belgium, with a little bit of Irish-British and Scandinavian from the Faroe Islands. They were illustrated graphically as a blue circle, like a single political party having the overwhelming majority in a parliament with a tiny fraction for the Celts and Norsemen in a different color. Mario's graphic, on the other hand, looked like the rainbow. He has traits from Southern Europe, the Middle East, Africa and Asia, including Spain, Italy and Portugal, Mexico, Lebanon, Iran, Egypt, Nigeria, Senegal and Guinea with some Angolan and Congolese and tiny percentages of Eastern European Ashkenazi Jewish and Manchurian Mongolian. He basically has a gene from everywhere, south, east and west of Germany. I envied him for the amount of human experiences imprinted in his DNA. I thought, what is so great about being 100% from one area of the world, and that area being Western Europe? Am I wrong to think this way? And then there are also the really old differences between the cultures. The fact that we're talking about Europe versus Latin America and specifically Mexico, which has such a strong indigenous influence, where the society was organized completely differently than in Europe. I mean, Europe was, yes, they were both imperialist cultures, I guess. Uh, I'm talking about Europe in general. <laughs> and, for example, Aztec society. But it was just a whole different set of values which of course influences how we deal with each other because that's how we've been raised. I mean, some values are the same. I think personal values are very similar, but they are cultural values. Between us, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I think that has been like one of the difficulties that we've had to grapple with. And I think that the way we learn to, we have learned to solve it or to deal with it is by being open to how we are different, but also in a way moving in the direction of the other. So I, th I feel like in some ways you have moved in the direction of being uh, someone who is more open to relating, you know, in this sense of oneness and family and togetherness and community and everything, which actually was pretty aligned to how you work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's you true. You work your professional life. Mm -hmm. And I have moved in the direction of also setting boundaries with community, with friends, and become focused on my personal aims. And I think that we've kind of established a balance, also, more of a balance between us, but mm -hmm. this keeps rearing its head. I always felt very comfortable in this apartment. Mario had a good hand decorating it since he first settled in. It's full of Mexican artwork, which gives it a warm and inviting feel. There are several paintings and drawings from his father, little masks, handcrafts, moon and sun ceramic pieces, a couple of Aztec calendars and a print of a painting by Frida Kahlo. I like the colorful presence of the Mexican artisanias. 
There are also a lot of objects from our travels, like a Santa Muerte sculpture and a hilarious wood skeleton dog we call Boney that we got in Oaxaca and a deep blue mosaic stained glass table lamp we bought in Istanbul. After my parents died, some small mementos from the home where I grew up found their way to our apartment, like little beer tankets made of zinc and a small baroque cherub. My father also liked to paint, though for him it was more a hobby. But now, his first painting, a still life of red flowers, hangs above our sofa next to a big pencil drawing of Mario's mother his father made. In our office above my desk on a shelf reigns an old wooden Garuda dragon from Bali, watching over me with imposing eagle wings, a lion body and a dragon head. I bought it in 1994 on a long journey through Southeast Asia. It needed 14 years to find its way from my old apartment in Germany and years more in the attic of my parents' house to here. When I finally brought it, I felt my move to New York was complete. It marked the end and beginning of a new phase for my life, perhaps symbolizing the many ways I, together with Mario, have changed. I'm beginning to think I'm simply part of the beautiful mix of humanity. All the parts influence one another continually and in some ways mysteriously. The music credits for this episode go to Asipiravan20, Jorik Basso and Krasman generously published on Pixabay. A very special thank you to Mexican singer Maria Rosa for allowing me to use her songs Vamonos and Serenata Sin Luna from her CD Soy La Misma. <laughs> <laughs>